0: Good morning, Church. Good
1: morning, Marilyn.
0: Good morning, Church.
1: Good morning, Marilyn.
0: Yeah, this sounds better. Hi, do you wanna jump to your feet? We are gonna praise and lift up our amazing God. Do you know that He comes and dwells with us in a new and different way when we praise Him? He is seated in our praises, He dwells in our praises. Is that amazing? We're ushering in the King of Kings to sit enthroned in the presence in this place today. So let's do it. <laughs> Come out the front if you want.
1: prophetic you yeah.
2: you give your neighbour a high five as you take a seat, give you a very warm welcome to activate this morning and if this is your first or second time a special welcome to you at the back of the auditorium we have a team member there who has got some white guest packs for you as you leave the auditorium into the foyer. There's some white guest packs on the table there on your right-hand side. You're most welcome to help yourself to one there. are some details about the church. And if you'd like us to be in contact with you, feel free to leave your details and we'll certainly follow that up. So, church, can we put our hands together and welcome our visitors? Fantastic. And great to see you this morning, Winita all the way from the Bay of Plenty. Fantastic to have you here. So, yeah, let's give Juanita a warm welcome. Fantastic. <clears throat> Okay, who's had a wedding anniversary or a birthday this week? Why don't you join me down the front over here? Wow! Oh, I love the suit. My word! Look at this. Very, very cool. So, birthday Josh, Robin, birthdays. Wow. Kelvin and Vona, wedding anniversary. How many years for you guys? Fifteen, congratulations Wayne and Karen, how many years were you guys? Okay, Nikki and Travis, are you here? They got engaged last night here. Isn't that awesome? So, And what was that for you? What birthday? Seventeen? I don't think that's true, do you? I, I think it's fifty-one. Thirty-four for Wayne and Karen. Congratulations to you, God. That's fantastic. Well, before you go, Church, why don't we jump to our feet and declare this wonderful prayer of blessing over them. And isn't this a wonderful prayer to pray? It really is. So here we go. Father, thank You for Your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, purpose and protection over them this year. Activate Your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give them a big hand as they go back to their seats. Congratulations, guys! Awesome. Who's looking forward to Easter? It's not far away, is it? This Friday, 10 a.m. We have a Good uh, Friday gathering. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, "Good Friday, 10 a.m." Love to see you there. And then on Sunday morning, it's 10 a.m. only. So turn to your neighbour on the other side and say 10 a.m only, that's very cool and for our 6 p.m gathering we'll have a gathering with dinner following so that's going to be exciting so i really encourage you to come along with your family and friends we'll have a wonderful time together well we have great news to report on missions Jacob we can put up the mission slide we've got one month to go and look $273,000 has been raised missions initiatives around the world yes isn't that wonderful so praise god and thank you for your generosity it is absolutely wonderful also mums and dads there will be a take-home question for you this afternoon for to discuss with your children around the dinner table so feel free to do that that would be fantastic shortly we're going to be praying for the thailand team but before they come this evening we have anna and nam from asia they'll be here at 6 pm tonight They're always wonderful to hear from, so I really encourage you to come and hear what they have to share with us, which will be fantastic. And um, so I'm going to ask Nicole and MJ and the Thailand team if they would like to come up, and uh, we're going to pray for you guys. I'm going to ask Nicole to share a little bit about what's happening, and so come on up guys, that's fantastic.
1: Uh, kia ora guys uh, So next Sunday uh, we are flying out to Thailand um, We're really looking forward to it We're heading up to Konken uh, to spend some time with our missionaries Peter and Wow um, So it's going to be awesome We have the opportunity to go into eight villages and we're going to be running uh, some holiday programs for the kids up there, um, which is just going to be an amazing time for us to be able to um, share the gospel but also um, provide some practical help for them. Um, it's their main school holiday, so what happens is, is um, all the kids get sent to their grandparents out in the villages because their parents have to work and so the kids end up getting pretty bored. So we have the opportunity to come in and uh, provide something fun and exciting for them to do uh, during the holidays.
2: Isn't that awesome? So I'm going to ask Josh and Graham and others on the mission team if you'd like to come up, and maybe Tim and Jim's. Maybe you could bring up one or the, two of the children, because you guys are ministering to children. I think it would be great to have some of the children pray for you guys today. Wouldn't that be cool? So maybe if some of the kids can come up with uh, Tim and that would be great. Yeah, let's let's be uh, let's go, guys. Fantastic. So why don't you come up here? So I'm going to ask. Him to lead it off and have one of the children pray and then then Josh, would you like to pray? That would be fantastic.
3: Uh, Lord God, we just do thank you for, uh, for the faith that we have in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That, um, that we can go and share what we have, Lord God, with others, Lord God. And I pray like now that that uh, what these guys have to bring to Thailand, Lord God, will be received wholeheartedly, Lord God, that you'd be preparing hearts, Lord God. I pray above all for their safety, Lord God, uh, and that they would come back, not only changing other people's lives, but change forever themselves, Lord God. And we thank you for that, Lord God. Thank you for these awesome young people, Lord God. In your name, Jesus.
1: Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that the kids in Thailand have fun, and that um, they learn more about you and that they have a really good time. Amen. I just pray that they will have a good time and that they'll get to learn more about Jesus and they'll worship Him more and they will love learning about Him. And I just pray that in
0: Jesus' name. Amen. amen.
3: Lord, we thank you for this team who have put their hands up to go. And Lord, we ask for your anointing on them as they go. Lord, especially an anointing of encouragement, that just by them being there, that not only we will Peter and WoW and their their team be encouraged, but Lord, the the kids that they work with that, that just by being there, Lord, that they'd just breathe out encouragement into these kids. Lord, that there'd be this boost, that they would know that there's something more, that there's something of you, and that it would just come across so real. Lord, we pray for conviction as well, Lord, that these kids would know that what, um, what is being shared is the truth, and that there would be so much love um, there that would plant seeds in their hearts to be harvested, either right then when the team's there uh, with Peter and Wow, or Lord, in the future, that there would be continued breakthrough in these villages because this team is going. Lord, that lives will be changed for eternity because this team is going, and that there will be continue to um, not only be churches planted, but leaders raised up from within these kids who will be the future leaders of churches in that area. Lord, that more and more people will come to you and that seeds, incredible seeds will be planted in hearts from this team on this trip thank you Lord
2: and everyone said amen Amen. thank you guys for praying thank you children that's fantastic let's give them a hand as they go to their seats all right kids well it's time for you to go to your kids church so five-year-olds and over out this way and under fives out to creation dynamites have an awesome time Isn't it wonderful to be part of a missions church that looks outward? Isn't it so good to see the initiatives that are happening in our city and in our nation and the nations around the world? And it's so good to be part of that. So I'd like to take a few moments to pray into that, see if you can join with me while we pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing through Activate Church. Father, thank you for the generosity of people in this house, Lord. That, Father, we can give into your purposes and to the extension of your kingdom around the world. And Father, we pray for what's happening in Hamilton City. Father, we pray that this city would be really easy for people to find Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Father, I pray on every street corner, in the highways, in the offices, in the factories. Father, those that know faith would be so willing to share their faith. And those that don't would be so willing to hear of the good news of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this wonderful country of New Zealand. We pray for its leaders. We pray that you would guide them and lead them. And grant unto them godly wisdom, Lord, in the decisions that they make. Father, for our missionaries serving around the world in Asia and uh, Western Europe, Father, we pray that you would impart unto them supernatural grace, that, Lord, they would see your kingdom extended, and, Lord, the name of Jesus made famous. We give you thanks for the privilege of partnering with you for such a time as this. And everyone said, Amen. Fantastic. Very, very good. Well, can I encourage you to stand to your feet as we continue to worship God? So thank you, Marilyn and team, and let's worship God.
0: Okay, so this song will be new for some of you, um, but it's really just an invitation to meet with Jesus, to meet with the Spirit of God. Um, he is here, and so I want to encourage you, if you don't know the Word, that doesn't matter, let us sing over you. Um, But give yourself permission just to sense his presence. Imagine him in front of you. You know, the the Prince of Peace is standing in front of you, smiling on you. You know, hope is wrapped around you. The Father of Lights is standing with you with his arms open wide, inviting. And he wants to encounter you this morning. So feel free. If you don't want to sing, that's fine. Just meet with him. He's always speaking. Give yourself permission to hear what he wants to say to you today.
2: Father, thank you for your presence. Lord, there is no better present than the presence of God. Lord, to stand and know that your love and your presence, your kindness and your grace is in us and amongst us and over us in Jesus' name. You know, church, I remember some time ago when Pastor Sheridan came up with this thought in in November of each year to hold a Thanksgiving gathering and the focus is to give thanks to God for what we're grateful for, for what He's done in our lives and our families. And it was probably three years ago, I think, and I was at the frontier, and Sheridan was leading the gathering. And he quoted from Psalm 100, where it talks about give thanks to the Lord and enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And as He spoke those words, I, I saw this picture, it was a vision of these huge gates at the front of the church and as we were thanking God these gates opened up and as we walked into the presence of God the presence of God walked into us changing us transforming us making us more and more like Jesus isn't it a beautiful picture and I'm so grateful that our thanks opens the doors into the courts or into the, the gates of heaven into the presence of God and it's really Significant because today Pastor Sheridan is in China and I really feel significant about this that he's praying that gates would open in a real significant way for the global initiatives and missions that God is working through Activate Church. And so I'd like us to take a few moments to pray for him and to pray for what's happening with global missions in China and Asia. And I believe there's something significant that God wants to release. So let's take a few moments right where we are, praying for God's release as Sheridan works in China. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to partner with you, our Lord, globally. And, Father, we lift Sheridan to you right now. And, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the awesome man of God he is. Father, we pray that you would open the ways before him, Lord, that your grace would empower what is happening in Asia, that, Lord, the global missions to reactivate, would, Lord, activate to a completely new level and a new place. Father, we thank you for the churches that are going to be planted, the lives that are going to be changed. Lord, there's going to be hope given to people that feel hopeless. Those that feel worthless are going to be filled worthy, called the children of the living God. So, Father, we commend this all to you, and we pray, too, for the safe return of Sheridan back home this week in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. You may take a seat. I just I, I want to encourage you uh, with global missions. What we're doing as a church, or what God is doing through us as a church is really significant. And uh, I think back several years ago, probably about five or six years ago, uh, where we sowed and focused into something that was happening in, in Asia and saw in one region over 510 churches planted that year. Isn't that awesome? absolutely amazing yeah it is worthy to give God a hand for that 510 churches planted and and the measure is not how many churches are planted but it's about cooperating with the grace of God so God can do and build and establish his kingdom at this very moment so isn't that awesome? it's fantastic Well, church, it's my privilege to invite Pastor Simon to come. Simon shared a fantastic message at 9 a.m. You're in for a real treat. So, why don't we give Simon a warm welcome as he comes? Over to you, Simon. God bless you.
4: Awesome, thank you, Muzos. Give the Muzos a hand. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, Muzos, for leading us in worship. Mihiatu kiauere, kitiatu a te nauere, mihiatu te pahe te reira ko pahe te Jane te na korua e te fainau o te atu o matau o te ariki nui ai hukaraiti te na kitei, te na kitei, te na kitekatoa. Well, morning, everyone. Great to see you. You doing all right? Yeah, um, as th- those of us who have been journeying with Activate for a while are aware that, that Pastor Sheridan ha- has called for a theme this year of focusing on the idea of the purpose life, living a life of purpose. And uh, I'm convinced that lacking purpose can be dangerous for our health, for our well-being. And, and I was reading a story by Pastor, well, Pastor John Buechner was sharing a uh, an experience that he had recently. He tells the story of how he attended a community prayer breakfast and he was sitting at a table with a group of men that he didn't know. And they started talking about retirement. And one man was really looking forward to it and he shared a conversation that he'd had with his wife that morning. He said, my wife asked, what are you going to do when you retire? And I told her, I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm gonna watch TV all day, every day. <clears throat> and the table was just silent. Uh, but Buchma couldn't keep quiet f- for long. And, you know, in one of those moments where God gives you the words to say, he said, if you do that, you'll be dead inside a year. And the man looked at Bukma wide-eyed. You know, and the table was just silent. He, he looked at him wide-eyed and said, why? And Bukma said to him, well, if the lack of purpose in your life doesn't kill you first, your wife will. <clears> "Hmm) <throat> sit on the couch watching TV. What are you thinking, man? In all seriousness, I think, you know, this whole idea of living a life of purpose is incredibly important. You know, the, the opposite, the converse of it is a life of hopelessness. And you get to that place, that place of despair or hopelessness, meaninglessness, it's a terrifying place to be. It's a horrible place to be. I was looking at the work of a sociologist, Professor, Uh, Christine Whelan, and she she looked at a review that was taken uh, very recently, and uh, the review asked the question, if I could ask God or a supreme being one question and get a direct and immediate answer, I would ask, what? Well, the the first response was, how long will I live? About 6% of people ask that. The next one, is there life elsewhere? The sci-fi and conspiracy nuts, you know, the aliens. The next one, why do bad things happen? That's a big question. I thought there might be a few more with regards to that. That's the big theodicy question. Why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I have life after death, 28%. But by far the largest percentage, 39%, 4 out of 10 people, what is my purpose here? And she goes through a whole raft of research for young people. Who, like, something like 80% believe that having a sense of purpose is key to being an adult. But something like only 30% of young people know what their purpose is. So, the sense of purposelessness, the sense of, you know, why am I here, that pervades our culture and our society. Pastor Sheridan has aligned a verse with our value of living a purpose life, he's aligned it with uh, the verse Ephesians 2.10, which we're going to look at this morning. But it's really important because, you know, human beings, we're asking all the time, we're seeking meaning, truth, order, purpose in our lives. So this morning, I want to look at that passage that Pastor Sheridan has aligned with this value of purpose, Ephesians 2.10. If you can turn there, and we'll have a look at that, that verse We'll go back a little bit earlier in the passage, actually, because Paul outlines, well, Ephesians is a wonderful letter, actually, that looks at uh, the themes of unity and purity uh, in the church and the gospel. But you'll see at the beginning of of chapter 2, once you were dead because of disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. We have to understand, people, the seriousness of sin. You know, we live in a culture where the word and the concept has disappeared. If you do a word search in the New Zealand Herald, the word will only come up if it's talking about fundamentalist preachers or rugby with the sin bin. Other than that, the, whole, the concept has disappeared from our culture. It's associated with being judgmental and it is not conducive to being tolerant. Yet it was once a powerful word and a watchword of prophets in terms of, of walking in the way of righteousness. But the word and the concept have disappeared. We, we need to understand the seriousness of sin because it's only in that light that we can appreciate the grace and the goodness of God. And so we see the, 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 these powers that we, that, that we were subject to, death and sin, You know, the wages of sin being death, uh, the influence of the demonic, the wrath of God that rests upon sin. But Paul's not worried about that because he knows that God is for us and he believes that God is going to save us. He loves God and he knows that God is good. So if we read on verse four, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much That even though we were dead, because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Then these beautiful verses, God saved you by His grace when you believed. If you know it in the NIV, it is for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Not good works, lest anyone should boast. So you can't come along and say, well, I fasted, I hit my 40 hours and I'm in. I give, you know, I, I give. I'm righteous. I attended prayer meetings. I, I, I'm I'm popular. I'm wealthy. Um, God don't care. He has saved us by His grace. There is nothing I can bring to Him to say, hey, will this get me in? Actually, I didn't even realize I was lost. He came and found me. It's His grace. It's His grace. I still don't get it. I still don't get it. And the sense that it is so huge and vast, the graciousness of a loving God. And so we read on, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. See, I think as human beings, we often fall into, if I'm a good boy, daddy will love me. If I'm a good girl, then I'll be loved. And we look to earn it. And the culture says, no, if you want to be accepted, if you want to be loved, you need to perform. And the culture teaches us that. Grace, that's the way of ungrace. The way of grace is different. It says you're loved. And in that place of love and acceptance, we change but we're loved and accepted first. Oh, I wish I could explain it to you. I really do. But, but, but the grace of God is what we owe our salvation to. Then it carries on. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. And then we come to verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Say amen, church, to that. So Paul begins this chapter with a brutal, honest look at the human condition. But he he knows that God is for us. You see, we were dead in sin, but God is the God of life and resurrection. And he's raised us with his son. Not because of our works, but because of his grace. So because of his grace, we can know salvation. Because of his grace... We can know true life because of His grace, we're now friends and children of God. And because of His grace, we can live a life that's purposed with a different outlook. And so what I want to do is reflect, share some reflections on this verse this morning about living a purposed life in order to all what Pastor Sheridan is leading us in a church in the journey this year that we're going on. So we all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, cool. Oh, if not, hopefully you'll catch up along the way. Someday. So, the first, so it's two question words that I really want to look at this morning. And the first one is who? Who? And, and, and in order to live a purpose life, we've got to know who we are in God. We've got to know who we are in God. We are God's masterpiece, the Bible says. In order to live purpose, we've got to know who I am in God. For we are God's masterpiece. There's a neat app on Facebook, you take a photo and it turns it into a painting. And this is a famous old German masterpiece called Umgeben von Schoenen Kinder," <laughs> Surrounded by beautiful children. Herb's wrote a song about it. You might have heard about it. And so, but we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. And you see, as bearers of God's image, we are a new creation. Hey, We know that verse. For we are now a new creation in God. The old is gone, the new has come. We were created by God and in salvation... We were recreated, and we're being recreated. Our salvation is an act of creation that we owe to the Creator God. I'm clay in His hands. I don't bring anything except a, I need you, Lord. And so He's recreating me in salvation. Nothing to do with my effort or skill. God don't care how many degrees I got. God don't care how popular you are. You don't care how big your bank account is. You don't need your money. God doesn't care about your status. None of that matters in terms of receiving the grace of God. This loving, creator God. And this word, this word for is poema, you know, poem comes from it. And, and it's a word creation. It could be translated creation in the Old Testament. It's a word that's used for the material creation of God, for, for the world around us. But it's also used in different ways. The the prophet Isaiah uses it to talk about a pot being formed in the hands of a potter. It's used elsewhere of a, a writer crafting a literary poem or writing a piece of prose. And so it's likely that what Paul is talking about here is an act of intelligent design that goes into who we are in salvation. We are God's masterpiece. And when you look at a number of biblical Versions and how it's translated, NIV, we are God's handiwork. The King James, the New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version talk about us being God's workmanship. Or I love the New Jerusalem Bible, we are God's work of art. Got to walk in that. Because I've been told lots of other things about who I am through through life. But this is what God says my masterpiece. What do you do with a masterpiece? You put it on display. So you are God's masterpiece. I love the words of the Roman Catholic theologian, George Vigal. He says, we are not congealed stardust or accidental byproduct of cosmic chemistry. He goes on to say, we are not just some things, we are someone, and we are someone's going somewhere. See, every person you meet is an immortal being created in the image of God. They are somebody. They are someone's. And they must be treated with the dignity. You know, I don't know if you've seen the movie Silence, which looks at the persecution of uh, Japanese Christians in the 17th century. And part of why the gospel took root among the peasants was for the first time, they were treated as human beings and not things. That's what the gospel does. All of our human rights today are rooted out of a Judeo-Christian worldview that says human beings are created in the image of God, and regardless of ethnicity or age or gender, they are worthy of dignity and respect. So we are someones going somewhere. And as human beings possessed of an innate God-given dignity, we have a divine destiny revealed. We are someones going somewhere. And this is about our identity. David Benner, a great uh, teacher of Christian wisdom and spirituality, He says that having an identity grounded in God, not in what the world says, not in what the culture says, not in what society says, but in what God says. If we have an identity grounded in what God says or who God says we are, that would mean that when we think of who we are, the first thing that would come to our mind would be our status as someone who is deeply loved by God. Now, I have to practice that and walk in it, because often I don't feel that, but my feelings aren't the authority that I live my life by. The word of God is the authority. See, I'm not here preaching out of my own authority. I'm preaching on the authority of the word of God. That's what I'm giving you. You'll walk away from here if you're impacted or changed. It's because God by his word will have impacted you. Not me. Because it's all about him, amen? This is how God works by his spirit. So, So when we look at that, we must know ourselves as someone deeply loved by God. I belong to God, so I must listen to who He says I am, not the world around me. I believe that part of living a purpose life is knowing our identity is rooted in Christ, loved by God, children of God, and that we are loved and we are accepted. You see, I believe you've got to know who you are in order to do what you've got to do. Just think about that for a moment. If I listened to the world, then they would form my identity, the voices of the world. Oh, useless, who do you think you are? And that would form my identity, and I'd walk in that. Oh, I'm just useless. Stupid. So I act useless and stupid. But God comes and says, no, you're my child, and I've redeemed you, and I, and I love you, and this is who you are. If I actually walk in that as my identity, am I going to do different? You see, who you are, in terms of your identity impacts how you walk. So we've got to have an identity that's rooted in God. We've got, I don't know about you, but the voices of the world come in all the time, whether it's memories from the past or or voices from the culture. And and all the time, we've got to go counterculture and go, no, this is what God says. You know, Kiwi culture, who do you think you are? I'm a child of God and I walk in humility, but this is who I am. Think of Moses, you know, when God appears to him in the burning bush. He's 80 years old. He's never 80 in the movies. But he's 80 years old. And and God appears to him and he says, I've heard the cry of my people, I'm sending you. And the first response is, well, who am I? Who am I? Now, if you turn that around, instead of it being a question of his uh, lack of self-acceptance and lack of confidence, think of it as an identity question. Who am I? God goes on to tell him, well, you're the one I drew out of the bulrushes. You're the one that I've called to lead this people. You're loved. You're the one that I'm raising up as a shepherd. That's who you are. Now, the children of Israel at times will say, you're not our leader. So he's got to go back to God. And God said, no, no, this is who you are. Who am I? Who am I? It's a big question. And we've got to draw our answer from God. You know, my kids, you know, they come to me, Dad, can I have some money? You know, they can come to me because they know who they are. They're my children. Dad, can I have some money? No, go away. Because <laughs> I'm a stink dad, no. But, but, you know, they know me and the names that I have. I'm the lolly giver. I'm the Fanta purchaser. The takeaway giver, you know. But, but they come to me because they know, you know, they're not scared. They're not afraid. They don't have that message that, oh, I no, I'm not important. No, no, they're my children. So because they know who they are, they can approach. You've got to know who you are to be able to walk in purpose. The reformer John Calvin wrote that at the beginning of his Institutes of the Christian Religion, he writes, all, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts. Knowledge of God, knowledge of self. When you think about that, what happens is, you know, I have this wrong thinking of myself, useless, dumb, but I get to know God. And as I get to know who God is, I get to know who he's created me to be. I get to know my true self. Notice I don't don't find myself by trying to find myself. I find myself by seeking God. And I seek God and I learn who I truly am. And then all of a sudden with new eyes, I look at who God is and I get to know him in a greater way and I get to know myself in a greater way. And the me that is walking now at 45, having walked with the Lord for 25 odd years, is quite different to the guy 20 years ago who first started walking with the Lord. Because you're growing in this knowledge of relationships. Know- it's not just knowledge, it's knowledge. Yes, it's knowledge, I've got to know about him, but I also know him. Benner also says that that we've got to come, he understands a basic place where we come to know the will of God for our lives. And he talks about it, he terms it the givens of our being. The givens of our being. He goes on to say, My temperament, my personality, my abilities, my interests and passions all say something about who I was called to be. Think about that. As God redeems who I am, all of those passions and abilities. There, there are, he meets me within who I am in terms of me walking and who he's created me to be. Dr. Seuss, that great prophet, <laughs> said this. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. And I'm 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 a real believer in this. You are a gift to the church. You are a blessing to this world. If you don't walk in that, then you rob us. And we live in a culture that is real good at saying, "Oh, who do you think you are? when we step out? Who do you think you are?" Oh, no one. But dare to do it, you know. And as you walk, there'll be some will see you go and they'll start following because they've received permission. You know, and there'll be some will go, oh, what an egg. But actually, deep down, they're going, man, I I envy them. You know, and it takes courage. But I'm an absolute believer in that you are someone's going somewhere. And so walk in who, get to know who God has created you to be. You know, we've got to really break some cultural messages here to be able to go, yes, I'm going to stand up. I am a child of God. And I am here to be a blessing. You know, I've got a T-shirt that says, world's greatest dad. Now, I know in this church there's some great dads, but for my three kids, I'm the world's greatest dad, and I walk in that. I own it. It's been something for me to walk in that because used to go, oh yeah, no. Actually, standing in that, yes, this is who I'm created to be. We are someone's going somewhere. So God created you with your passions, your personality, your skills, your abilities. And he created us and he has recreated us in salvation to be more and more like Jesus. Here's the thing. By becoming more and more like Jesus, I become more and more who I was meant to be. The wonderful tension in that. I become the man that God had always intended me to be. I can ditch the masks. That this is how I've got to perform in the culture. No. Stand as God has created me to be. Because you are a child of God, singularly and uniquely created in His image, you are valuable. You are loved and accepted. And from this identity rooted solely in Christ, you can seek your God given purpose. So, to live purpose, we've got to know who we are in God. Amen? Got to know who we are in God, who God says I am. And this will be a lifelong journey. Wonderful adventure. But as we read on in Ephesians 2 verse 10, we see that who is linked with why. And so we see, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's creation. And He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. He recreated us. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Paul has made it very clear in this passage that it's not by our good works that we've been saved, but by God's grace. However, having been saved by grace, good works are a consequence, a fruit of our lives. They 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 link with the fruits of the spirit in Galatians five, where we start we start walking a path ordered by God, that we, we flow in love, joy, peace, self-control, and we start walk, And that's part of our purpose. The, the, For all of us as Christians, it's our purpose, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's our purpose for all of us who are followers of Christ. And also the great commission. Go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching them all that I have commanded. So that's that's the big picture for all of us as Christians. The beauty of it is within that big picture, there's room for all of us to be the unique people that God has called us to be. Is it making sense? Oh, that's good. That's good. I love this. In verse 1 and 2, it says, You used to live in sin. And the verb there is actually walked. You know, we often talk about our walk. The verb is walked. And it talks about a lifestyle, it talks about a way of living. And you see, before you and I came to Christ, we are under the influence of powerful evil forces. But we've been set free and empowered to live the way that God has designed us. You see, you and I, we were created to glorify God. We were created to be in a relationship with Him. That's what we were designed for. There's no fulfillment or purpose outside of Him. We can only find our why, our purpose, in God. Um... In our household a few years ago, someone put, I've got a, my dad's car was a 96 Corolla and someone filled it with diesel. It actually goes, runs on 91, someone filled it with diesel, someone who should remain nameless and so I don't want to embarrass myself but so the car got filled with diesel and I had, I'm not very practical but I had to get a piece of hose into the pipe and suck it out and then I had to go in under the seat and try and siphon it out and and then I filled it with 91 to try and dilute it and 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 you know sort of get it through the system. And I went to my rugby prize giving around that time and I drove some of the guys around afterwards. So they're sitting in the back of my car, my car's low to the ground, it's got piles of books in the boot, all these heavy guys in the car, and it's just going. <laughs> dies and they're just howling if you ever feel discouraged don't mix with rugby team culture it's just not encouraging culture you know they're just mocking me to the days cop pulls me over because he just sees a bunch of guys going and he just looks at my face you could see he just felt sorry for me these guys were just laughing but here's the thing 96 Corollas were not designed to run on diesel we know that men weren't designed to run on stuff like tofu and couscous. <laughs> this is a personal, that's my interpretation of the prophet Ezekiel. But couscous sounds like a small tree-dwelling African mammal. It doesn't sound like a foo. But <laughs> this is my opinion. But, and likewise, we as human beings were not designed to run on anything other than God. That's actually how we were designed. Doesn't work any other way. Um, Have a listen. C.S. Lewis wrote about this in his book, Mere Christianity. Um, and, And in a stunning passage, he talks about this. Here's what he says. God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about the Christian faith. God cannot give us a happiness apart from himself. It just isn't there. We were designed. Oh, I don't know about you, but I, I, as hard as life can be, the Christian worldview Gives me hope, like nothing else, like no other story in life. You know, um, I think of Augustine's beautiful words in his Confessions. He says, "Thou God, thou O God, thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. That we were created to run on God. Nothing else will work." Viktor Frankl was an Austrian-Jewish psychologist and Holocaust survivor. He was interned at Auschwitz and at a sub-camp of Dachau. And he shares his experience in his classic man's search for meaning. And for Frankl, finding meaning in life was about finding purpose in life. And a big part of his work in the concentration camps was helping men to find purpose for their lives in order to survive. Um, Here's what he says. Have a listen to this. He says, Whenever there was an opportunity for it, one had to give these men a why, an aim for their lives in order to strengthen them to bear the terrible how of their existence. Woe to him who saw no more sense in his life, no aim, no purpose, and therefore no point in carrying on. He was soon lost. For all of us who struggle with purpose and meaning, in God we find purpose and meaning. Um, Frankel quotes Friedrich Nietzsche, who was a a man who who didn't believe in God, but these words I have found are powerful. He says, He who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how. So he would talk to these men, and he would help them to find a why. My child is alive. One day I might see them again. I have a book to write and I have to survive in order to finish it. Okay, that's my why. How am I going to survive? Dunno, but I'll work it out because I've got my why. For me, you know, life can be hard. Marriage can be hard. But why do I stick it out? Because I made vows before Rachel's parents. Because my mother and father were witnesses to those vows. Because I believe in the God who is the God of the marriage covenant. Because it impacts on my kids. It's a value. I've got my why. How am I going to do it? I don't know. I might have to talk to Ray. I might have to meet with someone. I might have to read some books. We might have to get some counseling. Humble ourselves. I don't know how, but i got my why. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, so that why undergirds everything. You know, I teach theology and I lecture in theology, but at the core of my belief, why do I love Jesus? Because when my mother, my beautiful mother is here today, because my mother, when she was the sole believer in our family, I saw a God who was faithful to her faith and a God who brought in my father and brought in myself and brought in my sister, and he honored her faith. And when our family was going to hell in a handcart, Jesus set us free, and I love him. That's my why. My why isn't, well, you know, when we consider the ontological argument for the existence of God, <laughs> then, uh, and the Teutonic approach, you know, there's nothing like that. But that, that, that's my why. That's part of my why. So how? I don't know. But I'll work it out, because I know why. Pastor Sheridan at a recent prayer meeting uh, at ATC, he cast vision. It was just pearls, man. He was just casting vision. It was stunning about uh, about the you know, and he's just been feeding that vision over time now. And he, but part of part of what he shared at this prayer meeting was how uh, he encouraged us to have a yes in our heart to God even before we get the question or the the call. And he talked about how he and Jan. Endeavor to have a yes in their hearts to God, regardless of what God calls for, and so God might actually come and say, "I want you to do this huge thing." And Sheridan actually did. Oh, the how? That'll work itself out. But He called for us to have a yes in our hearts, you know. And I spoke to him, and, and you know, if you've heard Sheridan preach, you know, there's a man who, who loves God who loves his father and is about his father's business and is doing something that his heavenly father has called him to do. thats part of his why. And I spoke to him about this, and he said in his own words, um, why does he have a yes in his heart and try and just work out the how? As a response to the grace of God in his life. He's got his why. Because of his why, God the father can turn up and say, I want you to do this massive thing. And he can go, ooh, gee, okay. Um, how am I going to do that? I don't know, but I know why you've been gracious to me and I love you. How am I going to do it? Well, we'll work that out. Got to know the why. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man? What is the main purpose of human beings? What is the chief end of man? Answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I like that. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the big picture. All of us as believers, that's our purpose. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But within that big picture of loving God and loving others, of making disciples and baptizing and teaching, within that big picture of glorifying God and enjoying Him forever, we all work out of the givens of our being to, to, to walk in the purpose of God as the individuals that he's created us to be and to find our, our personal why in the midst of that. David Fusitua plays rugby league for the Warriors. Graham Mills is a medical professional. Both of those men witness to God, live loving, forgive, repent, but they do it in different ways. You know, Stan Walker works in the area of music, in the music industry. Sally McDougall works with children in education and also as a heart for missions. They work out their why out of the, the different passions that they have in their heart. I remember when we were first married and Rachel was teaching as a primary school teacher. She was very busy. You know, primary school teachers work very hard. And then she also wanted to be involved working with youth. And, you know, I was a man of God and I sort of said to her, well, you know, Rachel, you can't get too busy. So, you know, let me tell you about, you know, how you shouldn't make this work. And what I I found, though, was that even though she was tired and busy, by doing more in terms of youth, she was energized. Because she was doing the... Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying run yourselves ragged, not at all, you've got to be wise, but for Rachel, working with the youth, energized her because it was part of how God had created her. Um, Sociology professor... Christine Whelan, um, asks us to consider these three questions. What do I love to do? We see Rachel loved to work with youth. It energized her. See, for me, reading and researching, it energizes me. My mates would jump out of a third-story window to get away from it, but it energizes me. It's what I love to do. So ask yourself, what do I love to do? This is in terms of finding your why. In terms of, you know, how do you glorify God and enjoy Him forever? What am I passionate about improving and impacting? Is it about impacting children's lives? Is it about getting into the lives of the broken and the needy? Is it a, the evangelist drive of speaking to the lost? You know, because we're all called to evangelize, but then there are those people who have the grace of God on their lives to be evangelists that help prepare us for the work of ministry. You know, there are those guys, there are those guys who love to work Practically. You know, and go around and mow people's lawns and fix their fences and fix broken faucets. and It's all serving God. But all of us working out of the unique way in which God has created us. Does that make sense? Third question. How can I do what I love while being a a force for positive change? Maybe I'll be able to find a career in it. Maybe it's something that I'll do as a hobby or an aside. But what can I do in order to, to work out my why. Again, it's a journey. Just, just start moving in terms of, you know, as you move, you know, if you're not sure of your purpose, in the meantime, love God and love people. You can do that and, and witness. And, and, you know, we can, we can all sit with people in their pain. We can all pray for people in the quiet place. We can all do that. But I think as we're moving, God will show us. God, by His Spirit, can, can, can show us who He has created to be and we can start walking in that. I had to shed a whole lot of lies and words that were put on me in my past so that I could start to emerge and walk and be the man that God has created to me. I'm still on that journey. Anyone else? Still on that journey. So we've got to know who we are. And we've got to work with God to find our why. You find that why, it'll energize you. You know, there's an energy that comes from moving in the will of God. You know, there's some, whereas, you know, some of the things that energize Rachel, oh, slow death for me, (laughs) because we're different people. And likewise, the things that energize me probably bore you witless. But we all love Jesus, and the world needs us all. God, help us if you're all like me be good looking but we'd only actually sort of be able to do one thing but we actually need the fullness of the body of Christ to minister the full fullness of God to a broken world okay so as I come to a close renowned preacher Haddon Robinson says you will invest your life in something or you will throw it away on nothing Your your life is precious. If you can actually grasp the fact that your life is precious and that you can be a blessing, then you'll actually start walking in that. And you'll find people will come and seek shelter in your shade and they'll turn to you in their hard times because you dare to stand up. I can remember playing rugby as a young guy. I had all sorts of insecurities and stuff, but I would go out with my mates. I wouldn't drink. And then you'd find a couple of the guys didn't want to drink and they'd get hassled, but they'd say, oh no, I'm just with Simon tonight. Four or five weeks in, it's four or five of us who aren't drinking. I remember the last week of the season, no one drank. We all just sat around talking. Now, is that because I'm cool? No, it's because God is awesome. Simon's not awesome. Simon can't have that impact on people's lives. Simon can't reach in and change hearts. But as I walk with God, God can work through me and impact the people He loves. So invest your life. You are a precious, immortal being made in the image of God. Walk in that. Dare to believe it. Blessed with the capacity to love, to be kind, to be righteous, to forgive. To speak words of life, we worship a God who spoke creation into being. And you know, you know the impacts that words can have. Man, you're a blessing. You're gonna be a good man. I love the way that you give your life for people and serve. Those words are life-giving. Dare to say it, we often think it about people. Hey, like, Father, awesome, as we drive home. Say it. Text it, write it. We've got to connect. We used to know all our neighbours that lived around us. Our culture is getting so busy now. We don't have that natural connection. Take the blessing that you are. Dare to believe that you're a blessing. Take your life and invest it for good in this hurt and broken world. Christian minister Frederick Beekner says, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Out of the uniqueness of who God created you to be, we're all called to love God, we're all called to love people, we're all called to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But out of the uniqueness of who He created you to be, out of the givens of your being, the unique person that you are, find your why and walk in it. Invest your life in the ways of Almighty God. Take part in the coming of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Image God into this wounded and broken world, assuaging the world's deep hunger. Invest your life. Glorify God who is rich in in grace and mercy. Amen. So may you know who you are in God the precious, valuable, loved and accepted individual that you are. And may you know your why in serving him. Can we say amen to that church? Please stand and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge the reality of who you are. You are the living God. You are holy and you are loving. You are righteous and you are just. You are merciful and you are gracious. Lord, we stand before you now and we present our our bodies and our lives to you as living sacrifices. We dare to believe that you have created us fearfully and wonderfully and that as you recreate us and we walk the path of sanctification, that you are making us more and more like your son Jesus, Father helping us to become truly the men and women of God that you long for us to be guide our steps Lord help us to walk those ordered steps and Lord fill our hearts with a why that will energise us that your spirit would fill the sails of our life and drive us on Lord that we would know the why that as we know more and more who you have created us to be that we would be able to walk in your will Lord that we would be able to do the works and walk the path that you have created us for I pray this so that my brothers and sisters would experience a fullness of life and that you would be glorified that your church would be built up that the lost would be brought home and I pray day by day Dear Lord, that you would help us to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, and to follow you more nearly, day by day. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.
2: Wonderful. Let's give Simon a big hand. Great message, Simon. Thank you so much. Isn't that encouraging so many nuggets of truth there? I love what you said. We find ourselves by finding God. Isn't that so true? It's a lifelong journey. Why don't we join and sing? I'll ask the team to, to lead us off. Can I encourage you before you go? Remember to collect your children. Tim, Tim, and James would just love that. That would be very cool. This is for those that call Activate Church their home. It's not for visitors, but as you go, can I encourage you to be purposed in your giving. We have giving stations in both foyers on the left-hand side. And remember, this evening we have um, Anna and Nam from Asia who will be sharing with us. So it will be a wonderful time. So uh, isn't that cool? And if you have a prayer need bit of any sort, be it for um, finding purpose, be it for relationships, whatever it might be, feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. And can I encourage you, please, to pray for Pastor Sheridan as he's on his way back home soon. He'll be home on Tuesday, Jan. And pray for Jan and the boys. I know they would really appreciate that. And let's also remember to pray for one another. And that would be really great. So thank you, team.
4: Know you more. I want to know who I am, Lord. Or Lord, I want to know my purpose. Lord, I want to have the courage to walk in it. Take this moment, a holy moment, just to meet with God. Pastor Ray's extended that invitation, but I just want to total what he said. Let us stand with you and pray as we sing. Make the most of this time. Thank you.